Hi, my name is Jen. I'm a holistic nurse practitioner, and I'm here to tell you that your body can heal. I've healed eight different chronic and autoimmune conditions that had me bedridden sick with little hope for my future in my 20s. I've created this podcast to inspire you and give you the tools to heal your body, your mind, your heart, your spirit, and your life. This podcast is for patients, practitioners, and people who want to listen from the place where spirit and science meet. As we heal our body, we have a body that moves well, thinks well, loves well, and that is a body we want to be in for this life to carry out our soul's work. I'm so glad you're here tuning in with us. Now let's get to this week's episode. Hello and welcome to the Inspire Health by Jen podcast. I am so glad that you are here this week for this very special episode. We had so much raving reviews and feedback from this live webinar I did just a couple weeks ago with moms and soon-to-be moms and women that are ready to be moms that we decided to share some bits and pieces on the podcast. And if you want to watch this podcast, you can actually check out the show note links and see where you can watch and follow along with the slides. But I promise you, you will be able to follow along just fine with audio. And I'm speaking to you today as a current holistic nurse practitioner and as a former birth doula, NICU nurse, labor and delivery nurse, lactation consultant over the last decade. And I'm bringing you this episode today because I've seen beautiful and heartbreaking births. I've witnessed what makes your pregnancy, birth, and postpartum experience magical and miserable. And this information is honestly not readily shared in providers' offices. Even some of the midwives you might be seeing, they just simply don't have enough time, or they also don't know that this option is available or have trust in a women's body like I'm able to present you today. So our objectives for our podcast episode today, they're simple. We're going to learn more about many of the dilemmas mamas face during pregnancy and childbirth and how to solve them. We're going to understand the one tool most moms are missing in their birth plan. And then I'm going to invite you to remember your divine power and step into the magical motherhood experience of your dreams. So are you ready? Let's dive in right away to this week's episode. Take all the pressure off of yourself to know everything, to hear everything, to learn everything, and just drop down into your body. And as we get started, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Jen, and maybe we've met, we've been, you know, worked together as clients. Maybe someone else sent you here. You found this on Instagram. Either way, I'm so glad you're here. And over the last decade, I have been serving women as a birth doula. That was my first I didn't even mean to be an entrepreneur, but that was my first little entrepreneurial bug. I was like, I'm going to help women. This stuff is really cool. I've been a NICU nurse at a level four NICU, a labor and delivery nurse at a birth center, a lactation consultant back in that NICU and that children's hospital. And then now I'm a holistic nurse practitioner, helping women with fertility and conception with hormones. And then also now walking women through pregnancy, birth and breastfeeding postpartum in a new way. This was on the right-hand side. This is Dr. Lizzie Kiefer. A lot of us know she has an amazing uh, platform she's built for women 
healing their body. She's a pelvic floor doctor of physical therapy. And her birth was the last birth that I did before I stepped into this more educational work because I was getting a lot of requests and women like, can you be at my birth? And then pretty soon I just wasn't able to do my nurse practitioner role. And I was like, okay, what? I just had to get with my spirit and be like, what needs to happen? I'm like, women need empowered unbiased information and access to the most important tool in their birth toolkit, which we'll talk about tonight. And then this picture on the left, do you all remember when we used to scrunch our hair? Um, I was scrunching my hair at this time. You could totally tell this picture was taken a while ago uh, before I went through all of my autoimmune and chronic illness, hormone conditions. I was in school to be a nurse midwife. I wanted to catch babies and just do birth the rest of my life. And then my path was divinely rerouted, but this was in the NICU that I worked in and one of the most special patients I took care of and, and her adoptive mama. And it was just an amazing experience. So I come with a long history and the best news is I personally think I don't have kids of my own yet. And why is this good news? Because I don't have a bias or a personal story behind any of the information I'm about to give you. I've seen beautiful births and I've seen heartbreaking births and I've learned what it is about the birth process and pregnancy that women really need to have an outcome that they feel proud of and that they feel safe in. So I've witnessed what makes your pregnancy, birth and postpartum magic or miserable. And this information I promise you is not readily shared in your provider's offices, even if they're pretty dang holistic, simply because they don't have the training, the education or the time, but we're going to share it with you here now. But what are we going to do? Let's get right to it. We're going to learn about many of the dilemmas moms face during pregnancy or childbirth and how to solve them. We're going to understand the one tool most moms are missing in their birth plan. So important. And it will change your birth outcome. And it will not only change your birth outcome because we can't control everything in birth, but it will change how you feel about what happened in your birth and the decisions that were made. And then together, we're going to remember our divine power is sacred women and mothers and mothers to be and step into this Alice in Wonderland secret door of the magical motherhood experience of your dreams. I promise you there's information that will be new to you, some, maybe not all of it, and a new way to access this of, that will serve you. Okay, so the medical side of childbirth, we're going to go right in. Ready? Fire hose activated. Get ready. Take a big drink. And remember, just be here with us. Let your body absorb the information. You can come back to any specifics that you need tomorrow for 48 hours. So research shows for a healthy woman, labor proceeds normally without hazard most of the time. And careful observation by her birth team is all that is necessary to detect medical problems and take action. One way to avoid complications can be as much as it is to give a woman intervention support, it can be to limit it as well. And I'll tell you right off the bat, I am a proponent of like fully medicated hospital birth, just as much as fully natural home birth. And I'll tell you why as we move along. So an example to limit interventions or to use your intuition to know what is best for you. And this is just a little taste before we dive in is your body may intuitively want to move during labor. You your body is made to move and the, the rhythms and the movement your body will create and labor exactly what you need. There's a conversation going on below you between your body and your baby at all times. And it's a very energetic conversation and you're responding to that guidance. And so 
you're feeling that intuition and a helpful, empowered, unbiased piece of information for you could be to request a wireless monitor if you're in a birthing facility or hospital. So for a better birth outcome for you and baby, because that, that intervention of a continuous monitor that keeps you from moving could be an intervention that is maybe too much and isn't your best birth outcome. It's a little tiny example to get our feet wet because we're going to move fast and furious and I'm going to play with my slides and fight with them and it'll be a lot of fun. So best birth outcomes use a mother's intuition. When we have intervention and we have intuition, we get a best birth outcome. So for each intervention offered, and there's so many, whether you're home, birth center, hospital, whether you're accidentally in your car when you have your baby, whatever happens, I promise that won't be you. Um, I can tell a crazy story later, but it's like literally like the smallest percentage. You have so much time. But for each intervention offered, there is a risk versus benefit trade-off taking place. So it's really important to know what we give up versus what you gain. And when you're in your traditional provider's office or even sometimes your midwives, they're going to tell you based on their experience and preference, that's the information they give. So they say, this is just kind of how it is. And this is what we do here which is great because they do have your safety in mind and they do really care about your birth. But what if there's another way that would actually feel better for you? That's why we're here today. Interventions can save lives. Interventions can also be unnecessary. So how do you know the difference? Questions to ask yourself when offered an intervention in birth is what is the trade-off? Will this improve the health of mom and baby? Does this feel right in my body, my mind, my spirit? These are your three channels of intuition. People have different ways that they feel the spirit speaks in their body. Maybe it's a gut feeling, it's a heart knowing, it's just some tingly sensation in your head, but you having this access to this tool as part of your birth plan will result in your best birth outcomes. And then most importantly, your best birth outcome using a mother's intuition involves once you have all of the unbiased and powered information, you do not ever need a reason why your answer feels right for you or right in your intuitive knowing. Resist in any situation after you have this information, once you feel prepared and tuned with your body, resist the urge to explain yourself to any providers, any professionals, any partner, and trust yourself. This is a really inward trusting and guided process that you can go through. And I promise you, no one needs to know why you've chosen other than you've received your education unbiased. You know the literature, you know the studies, and this is what you're deciding. That's just one thing that I would see often where a mom and a partner and a doula or whoever was advocating for what she wanted. And as soon as she started explaining herself, then people started to question her. And sometimes she was able to be a strong advocate and sometimes she would falter to what she didn't want. And then no matter the outcome, she didn't feel good about it. And you want to feel like at the end of your birthday, you looked back and you're like, that was incredible. Okay, so let's hit the ground running even faster now. I'm gonna dive into a topic that is complex. We're gonna talk about four different birth interventions possible pregnancy and birth interventions today. This first one is complex. It's heavy. Stay with me. But while I have most people's attention in the beginning, I want to bring this one up. So just let me know you're with me in the chat. I'm here. I'm excited about this. Tell me if you've ever heard of group B strep. 
Simple yes or no. I'm ready. I want to know. So what is it? At about 35 to 37 weeks, depending on your provider, they're going to give you a little cotton swab in a little tube, and they're going to ask you to go from vagina to anus or whatever way they think is best and swab. What are they looking for? They're looking for group B strep. It's common, it's not normal in the microbiome, but I mean, we know that our bodies aren't in the ideal state. And if you're here, you probably aren't brand new to holistic and you're like, yeah, I think there's a better way to do things out there. And I'm here to learn why. So it's part of the microbiome, but not necessarily advantageous. And group B strep can make newborn babies really sick. So testing for group B streptococci, you will get your results back in two hours to two days. And here, I'm going to give you a lot of statistics. And I promise you, because I'm not a math pro or genius, I am going to give you the statistics that make sense in my brain. So that means they're not very complex, but hang out here with me. One in four women are carriers of group B strep. One in 200 babies acquire an infection of that one in four. Okay. A newborn and a mom can avoid infection postpartum with IV antibiotics during labor that cross the placenta. IV antibiotics reduce the risk for a baby acquiring the infection. If so, antibiotics are rule of thumb. They, I mean, you are going to, this will be something that is just like, you have to do this. You don't, if you don't want to, let me get into the, to the numbers. And ultimately the decision is yours because there is no perfect scenario. You will see. So the IV antibiotics reduce risk of baby for inquiring an infection. And it goes from the one in 2000 that acquired the infection to one in 4,000, right? So it's not foolproof if you get the antibiotics. And why do we care about antibiotics? We'll talk about that here in a second, but you probably know if you've you know been on social media that some people are starting that providers are talking about how antibiotics might not be the best thing for us because they are, they alter the gut flora and the gut flora is our natural antibiotic, right? So here we are wanting to protect our babies and rightfully so. I'm not saying not to get the antibiotics because there can be a very helpful thing. It's a decision you will have to make. The antibiotics alter the gut flora and also help lower the chances of infection, but your gut flora unaltered also increases your chance of fighting the infection. And we'll talk about how expressed breast milk can help that. So evidence-based birth, I want you to bookmark on your phone right now, evidencebasedbirth.com. This is some of the best information that you can go through with a fine tooth comb unbiased and get a lot of literature. So if you feel like you might want something a little bit against the grain or a little bit different, or just one unique birth intervention or something unique about your birth, this would be the place to get the science to feel secure and then to sit with your spirit and then to take it to your provider and be like, here's what I've decided. So this website says researchers have found that if a pregnant person who carries GBS group B strep is not treated with specific antibiotics during labor, then there is a one to 2% chance of their infant will develop the group B strep disease infection. It's just an infection needed to be treated with antibiotics in the NICU. Okay. Do all women have it? No. Why do some women have it? Because there's an imbalance in the flora. So what can we do? Can we swim up the stream? If you're like, I don't want to even have to deal with the antibiotic decision. You can avoid foods. You can, during pregnancy, if you think that you might have this infection or you had it with a first baby, or you're like, hmm, I intuitively feel like that might be an issue. Avoiding foods that strep 
bacteria love like processed sugar, not including fruit, eat all the fruit you want, gluten, dairies, eggs. Yes. Even eggs. You can create a really healthy microbiome by changing your nutrition. Now I get, this part is very complex. And if you need some more support, we are definitely going to be going into depth, um, in the course about this. And then also know you can always reach out. And then the strep protocol before the GBS test, you can do homeopathic protocols from 12 to 34 weeks. That helps really diminish strep on that test. So it doesn't show up and then it doesn't put your baby at risk. And then vaginal flushes, GI cleanses, more on this later. Just know you have, this is not what you're going to be hearing in your provider's office. What I personally would recommend is that moms are doing a strep protocol from 12 to 34 weeks for the health of their baby and for the test. And then some further information on this. So antibiotics, if you're group B strep positive, you will get antibiotics through your IV four doses in 24 hours. And most labors, first time labors are, you know, 12 to 24 hours. So you're going to be having a lot of antibiotics and you might know, you might say, oh, I know antibiotics don't work well for me. If you've had some chronic sensitivities, autoimmune conditions, or you might be like, you know what, they, they don't really affect me. They're not that big of a deal. That's your intuition. That is your knowing of your body. And then if you, if your water broke before you were in labor, they're definitely going to push this a little bit harder. So little research on risk of antibiotics has been done, but we do know antibiotics introduce heavy metals and diminish probiotic flora in the gut. So on one hand, we have antibiotics that can lower our baby's risk of infection, not take it away totally. And then on the other, we know it's actually going to create a little bit of consequence in baby's body and in ours. So working in a level four NICU, I saw babies with proper treatment have a full recovery, but that's not all of them. So approximately 6.9 of full-term infants with the group B strep will die from their infection. 16% of the group B strep people are actually negative by the time they went into labor. So 16% received unnecessary antibiotics. Let me come back to the slide over here. So we have with the antibiotics, if your baby had a one in 2000 chance, once you get the antibiotics, you now have a one in 4,000 chance. And that doesn't change with the number of times you get antibiotics. And then if a pregnant person is not treated, there's a one to 2% chance your infant will develop the group B strep. From that one to 2% chance, 6.9 of that one to 2% of full-term infants pass away from the infection and other complications. 16% of women are given antibiotics unnecessarily because you could request to be rescreened before birth. You might have to, a little pushback on that, but know that you do have that option. So the risk, unnecessary antibiotics, disrupting mom and baby's microbiome, the immune system really does start in the gut. The reward, reducing the risk of anything by that one in 4,000 to one in 2,000 chance of something happening to baby or expensive and um, NICU stays. I mean, a NICU is not a great environment for your baby's immune system either. So you're like, wow. I wasn't worried about this until you brought it up, Jen. <laughs> it's something that is not, the information is not being given and moms really have a choice in this. So your baby, say you were positive 
and the antibiotics didn't feel right for you. And you, you will really have to advocate for yourself. I just want to let you know, like you're going to get a lot of pushback, but it can be done. If it feels right in your body, babies develop symptoms within the first 48 hours. So some moms have had an effective protocol with monitoring their baby's temperature and respiratory rate every four hours. And that protocol would be outlined by your pediatrician and the team at your, your birth team. And also seeding the gut with expressed breast milk can be really, really helpful. The chat's gone crazy. So let me check on it and consider your fears and your worries with either choice. So if it completely wigs out your nervous system and makes you more concerned to, if it's just like, oh my gosh, the thought of not protecting my baby with the antibiotics just would send me in a spiral. Like it's very clear what, what would be best for you, right? Because your nervous system, safe birth is going to be best for your immune system, your baby's immune system. If you're like, you know what? I've had a lot of complications with the antibiotics. I've had autoimmune or chronic illness. I've had chronic viral conditions. I've had gut issues. Maybe by chance I am group B strep positive. Can I see my options? Rule of thumb, I would do a group B strep protocol in that 12 to 34 weeks and get your body cleaned out, go take the test and then worry about it from there. Um, what is your reference for the food strep loves gluten, dairy, processed sugar, and eggs? So like powdered donuts when I say processed sugar. Is this why women experience digestion issues after labor? I hear many women say after birth, they struggle with gut issues with the antibiotics. Um, it could be, but likely. So what happens, and that's a really great question, by the way, for women in the immune system, birth, pregnancy, birth, labor is like running a marathon. If you have underlying chronic infections or parts of your body that aren't at their healthiest, most vital state, it will show up postpartum, like postpartum thyroiditis, postpartum depression. A lot of this is liver congestion and it's gut issues and it's hormone imbalance. And that was there now coming to the surface, because when you're pregnant, your hormones are, you're like a teenager again, like you feel great. So if you've had anything chronic, when those hormones fall after a baby's born, it's like, oh my gosh, it's worse. And it's usually like a rebound effect. So if you are, if, if you're pregnant, I have protocols that can really help you optimize any conditions that are going on. And if you're trying to conceive and you're not yet pregnant, I would say it's an invitation to make your body a really hospitable homeostasis for baby and to get your body in a really great place. And, and then once the body is happy, and, um, I really believe in the, the concept of spirit babies as in our baby that we know, like when women have a desire to have a child, that is a soul that is in heaven being like, I want to come to earth and they have a connection and you can talk with this, with this soul. You can, you I mean, you're, when you're pregnant, you're growing their body for them to be a soul here on earth with us. But there's a whole conversation happening that their doctors aren't telling us about and not most midwives. So part of your process of designing your birth plan or conceiving at the right time, like talking to this baby, what do you need? Like where, you know, where do you want to be born? Like what interventions would feel good to you? Um, Okay. I see your question. I will answer that at the end. Um, the reference would be just from PubMed and different articles and data that I can share with why the um, anti-inflammatory and pathogens with the strep. So... 
This information is so, so good. I bet your mind is totally blown. Am I right? But the one thing that I have seen so many women need through my decade of experience helping moms as a nurse, as a doula, as a nurse practitioner, women need unbiased, empowered information and community to have their best birth outcomes. I want to invite you to experience my custom holistic pregnancy program inspired by my spirit baby, as I described in this show, the I am woman program, the sequel in this program, you're going to experience several different classes, your low intervention birth and labor land roadmap, hospital to home birth, ask the midwives, anything, what happens, why birth is holy as you become a channel from heaven to earth, your hormones pre-pregnancy, during pregnancy, and postpartum, breastfeeding basics, your baby's gut health, and your nutrition. Ask a doula anything, how to hire the right one, questions dad will ask during birth and pregnancy, and the postpartum period, including energy healing prep for your birth. You can take this program as a live class at your own pace, or you can do it at a self-study. You will walk away with tangible resource guides that you can print, scribble on, use, prepare during your pregnancy and birth. Your labor roadmap guide, when to go to the hospital or call your midwife, low intervention algorithm, breastfeeding beyond basics ebook, hire your dream birth team kit, pregnancy, birth, and breastfeeding nutrition guide to help you and baby. Plus, this is my most favorite part. I made a tranquil labor and pump up pushing phase playlist for you mamas on Spotify for you to have in the birth room. And then also I prepared pregnancy and birth audio tracks that are going to be helpful during labor prep and even on your birthday. So click on the link in the show notes for more information or go ahead and hop right in by registering for the course. It's only $444 and payment plans are available. So if you're interested, don't wait, grab one of those limited spots. And now let's get back to this week's episode. Let's keep rolling. Okay. So this one's a little bit lighter, a little bit easier, a little bit softer to deal with. We started off with a bang with group B strep. So labor and delivery position here. So what is the best position to give birth in? Can you think of it? Do you know? The good news is you literally cannot turn your baby into a bad position when you're moving in labor. So sometimes we have a cervix that it's a little too thick on one side, a little too thin on the other, and we're stuck at a nine centimeters and we want to get baby's head and into that right position. If you're, if you're moving every 20 to 60 minutes, you're going to do a good job moving that baby down. If you've had an epidural, there's still movement that can be had. So you cannot turn a baby into a bad position when you're moving in labor. That's the really good news. When I was in my doula training and you're learning about all these ways the baby can get wonky and shoulders. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's, you're going to have to like have an Rubik's cube of birth positions. And you don't, it's movement that's helping. And remember what I said at the beginning with possibly wanting to use that monitor to, or that wireless monitor. So you can move your body. If you get into a flow state, if you get into hypnobirthing or you're listening to music or your partner and your jeweler applying gentle touch and pressure, if you can let your body drop in to that flow state, 
then your body's going to take over that conversation between baby and body. And you're, you're going to move into that right position. So lean into that. The answers are being communicated right below you, baby to belly. So what about a breech baby? This is where you might feel like, okay, my baby is upside down. Breaches where not where the head does not want to come out first. So some babies, there's all different reasons. Baby can be breech for uterine tone to baby's position to et cetera, et cetera. Your the way that your pelvic outlet is structured. But a breech baby typically can be turned. And when your baby is breached, there's some movement that can be happening. So 32 to 38 weeks, usually that's when the breach shows up. And there's a variety of things that you can do to get your baby in a good position. And this is where if you're wanting to avoid the external cephalic version, or you're wanting to try everything you can before, there's so many options you can get online. Spinningbabies.com is an amazing resource and your midwives and your doctors will be able to help you as well. But some things that I've tried and had success with, with clients is moxibustion. I would, the first time I heard about it, I was like, this is really interesting. I thought it was like folk medicine, like something maybe like Native Americans used and it just got popular, but no, there's like evidence behind it. You can, any of these concepts in here in this presentation, you can search like PubMed for and you'll find things. So moxibustion is mugwort. And if you go to my website, inspirehealthbygen.com, click on herbals, there's a place that you can order mugwort sticks from. And all of, all you do is you have the mom lie down. It's usually easier. Someone else is doing this for you. You light the mugwort and you place it like just a hair above her pinky toe and you hold it there. And then I always like to say during this time, it'd be a good time to like talk to baby, have baby moving into the right position, visualize baby being in the right position. And then you do the other side. And I've seen babies flip then. I've seen babies flip after that. I don't honestly know why it works other than there's evidence that it works. You can also be in a pool. You can dive. You can do some swimming, anything to offset the weight of baby, voice calling, if you get usually dad or a familiar sibling down, you know, baby's head, think feet towards the birth canal, head up, you want baby to do a complete flip and you get someone's familiar voice, like where you want the head to go. Sometimes baby, because they want that familiar soothing voice, they start to turn and then breach tilt positions. There's two, this is, I think the simpler one, even you don't even need a chair or a ball. You could do bridges with your feet up on the couch. And then you can also see the reverse of this position is getting your knees and feet up on the couch. And Emma, yeah, I didn't even, there's so many options. I didn't even put that one in there, an ice pack. She had her, her baby was breached and then baby flipped just by getting ice. And the baby's like, I don't like that. Baby's like warm, warm, warm environment. So you can try these. You're, as you learn about these concepts and you learn about these techniques, you will notice like something just speaks to you. Like the, the mom that I had the success and the only one who ever tried it with me with the moxibustion, she was like, okay, Jen, she's like, I know you do energy healing with your clients. Can we set that up and then do it for the moxibustion? So we did a whole, um, it's, it was standard in my dealer practice. And I still do this without attending the births of an energy healing session before the birth. 
and, and to visualize and to step into that portal that will bring best birth outcomes. But for this one, like we did the moxibustion and we talked to baby and like, just baby flipped. And I was like, I cannot believe I just saw that. So it is possible. And then if, if these interventions at home don't work, they do have a 60 to 70% success rate for an ECV, which is basically they give some pain medication. And then this is the photo, the third photo here where they, the provider manually turns the baby. It's not the most comfortable for mom. And if there's complications, it will result in immediate C-section. Um, so just know that that's why these other interventions are really positive. And then if you have a provider, some providers, the midwives in this program that we'll talk to, will talk about the benefits and considerations of trying for a vaginal birth, which with a breech baby, and there's more and more OBs and the mainstream hospitals doing it, but it has to, that's up to your OB, your provider. I just want you to know that's an option. And then there are steps and guidelines that they'll take you, take you through. Okay, so let's talk about pain medication. This is really common in most moms. You're like, so how, I'll ask them, how are you feeling about your birth? And they're like, I want a natural birth or I think I might want an epidural. Like pain medication is one of the most common thoughts we have when we think about our birth. And I will tell you, there's no right or wrong choice. I have seen moms who I thought, this will be the mom. She was um, an athlete and still working out. Up, like the morning she gave birth, well, the, she gave birth later in the day, but the more, the day she went into labor, like that day she was at the gym and she's like, so holistic. And I was like, she will definitely have an, a natural birth. She didn't, she ended up really needing an epidural for her nervous system and for her exhaustion to let her rest and sleep. And then she dilated really quickly and she had a baby. And there are some moms who I'm like, I feel like their pain tolerance is really low. Like friends have had, or just people who've been through, you know, I know more personally. And I'm like, oh, I, I would anticipate her to want to have an epidural. And they like quietly breathe their baby into the world and have a very non like reactive birth, I would call it. So you don't really know. <laughs> it's it's hard to say. And don't judge yourself either. I made the mistake early on as a doula, like trying to be like, mm, I think this mom, because they would state their desires, but you, you don't know. And you also don't know until the day of, it's like going to the gym. Some days at the gym, you're going to be feeling really, really good. Like you can just hammer out that workout. And some days you're going to feel like I'm so tired. I don't even know why I'm here. So it's birth is literally a workout and it's, it depends on catecholamines and prostaglandins and hormones and your baby and so many things in your body. So just knowing your options, having this unbiased, empowered information, and then accessing your intuition as a tool and to make that decision for you, because I promise you're going to have to make decisions in birth in a snap. And falling back on that education and how things feel in your body will really serve you. So one thing that I like to do for all my clients is encourage them to develop a mom's code word. So code words I've heard used in the past, pineapple, I'm going to say this wrong. For, so for any Harry Potter enthusiasts, please forgive me, Wing, Wingardium Leviosa, that's a Harry Potter spell. They've used other things, having a code word so that mom can talk about how much birth freaking hurts and it sucks. And she's sick of being in the pain. She wants us to be over because dad will always want to fix it. And some new doulas or really empathetic nurses will be like, Oh honey, well, let me get you medication. And you might, if a natural birth is something you want to try, 
up until a certain point, you might just need that expression of what you're experiencing to be the release. Everything is energy. So a contraction is going to create a tightening in the uterus, a, a like literally uterus squeezes. So cervix can open. And if you are a verbal processor, you're going to want to tell us about it. But a code word allows mom to say, I'm really serious. I'm not just griping. I'm not just complaining. I need some support. So having a code word, if it's something, some moms and I support you're like, hook me up with an epidural in the parking lot. I'll be there. <laughs> you still have emotional needs. You still have nervous system needs. You still need education, empowerment, but some moms might be like, well, I want to see how far I can get. I want to see if I can do this thing, have a code word. So necess necessities for labor, you need breath. Just all take a deep breath together and just realize the power and the access we have in this one tool. So deep breath in through the nose and now through the mouth. Pain medication or not, you always have access to that tool. Necessities for labor, no matter if you choose pain medication or not, the ability to observe sensations, to witness the sensation, Try this the next time you stub your toe <laughs> and just be like, okay, I'm really feeling pain. I can be separate from that sensation. I'm feeling it. It's in my body. It's not consuming me. And it's not, I'm not identifying as the sensation working with the nervous system ahead of time, nervous system practices. We'll talk a lot about this in the course and educational and emotional support. So our fears and trauma and our nervous system dysfunction shows up in the birth room. And I promise you, it's never going to be perfect, but birth is an invitation. Pregnancy is an invitation to deep dive into that personal healing so that your birth is the best birth outcome possible. Okay. So reasons you might want some pain medication, you're fatigued. You need to rest. That is a really great reason. Sometimes it really is that epidural after a 24 hour labor and you're exhausted and you're just feeling like, you know, you're stalling and there's a different, <laughs> the hospitals were definition of stalling. And I think the holistic community is a little bit different. Um, we can talk more about that, but if you're like, I literally feel like my body just needs some sort of support, rest and fluids can be what you need. Unable to recover between contractions. The uterus is a muscle right? And so if your body is not recovering well, then that muscle is not getting strong enough contractions to open the cervix. Little to no support, education, or preparation. Birth is, I mean, you wouldn't run a marathon without training, right? And our society can make it really common to just allow a woman to have very little education, preparation, or support and walk into her birth and then wonder why it was really overwhelming for her. So just think this is a marathon you want to prepare. And then, like I said before, every day at the gym is different. Some days your body's going to feel like rocking it. And some days you're going to just feel like a nice leisurely walk on the treadmill. Don't judge where your body's at, just provide it what it needs. And then here are your options. So you have the breath. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy. I've seen many women with hypno babies, hypnosis, lead them through a essentially pain-free birth. There were sensations with the breath. These women are amazing. I personally don't know if I have the nervous system they, they do to do it, but I've watched it time and time again. 
And this, the breath, if you have access to it, you can find your rhythm. You can enter into a theta brainwave, which is like a dream, a REM. And you start to notice that the women describe it as they feel a little bit over here and their body's here. So they're having this almost out of body birth experience by fully being present and just their own body chemicals inside of them. So I have to tell Tessa's story and she would love, she'd be so proud because it was amazing. So this was several, several years ago and I got a call at like 4am. Hey, we think we're going to go to the hospital. I said, okay, they're like, we're going to wait a little bit. Um, I'll let you know. So I got a text like in the next hour that they went in. And then by 6am I was there. And when I walked in the labor room, this woman, she's a musician, she's calm. She was, I kid you not running around the room in very active labor from the nurses, like a little bit combative. Something was triggering her. She was overwhelmed by the sensation of birth. And this was her, her second baby. And so, and for anyone who is something you might look for in a doula, someone who can really make you safe and command a presence. And so I just walked in and said, Tessa, here's what we're going to do. Took her over to the chair, got her really, really comfortable, led her into a theta brainwave through hypnobabies, got her visualizing, got her connected with her breath. And in four hours later from six to the baby's born, like right before 10, she was like, Jen, the baby is here. It's the baby's between my legs. And I was like, well, it's pretty quick. We were like at a four when we got here, but who knows? And I was like, I want you to reach down and touch your baby. She's like, no, 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 my baby's here. So checked, went and just looked. You doulas don't get their hands and things. Went and got the nurse and the nurse is like, there's no way, da, 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 da. She checked and her baby was there and they couldn't believe, um, I still work with, have worked with some of those nurses today. And they're like, that is the best experience for a mom I've seen. And it wasn't anything with my skill. It was the mom's ability to connect with her breath, to surrender, to allow the hypnosis to take place and get in that state. And she went from, I mean, she was out of control. I was like, I'm a little worried that they were going to have to take some alternative measures and the breath. It did it all for her. Here's what I want you to ask yourself if you are considering or interested in any form of a natural birth, whether that means you labor at home before you go to the hospital and get an epidural, or if you want to do the whole thing without pain medication, I want you to be comfortable and know that any sensations, any pain that you might experience, how you can sense it and how you can work with it. It's like you, you wouldn't run a marathon without trying to run one mile first to see what it's like. Start by asking, can I handle three to four seconds, one breath long? Can you handle peak pain in a contraction for that long? About every five minutes, about 12 times per hour. In a contraction, you will have a, a heightened sensation of pain at that peak. That's when it's like, oh my gosh. And then it will start to diminish. So asking yourself, can I, so three to four seconds, about every five minutes, four minutes, about 12 to 15, maybe eight per hour, depending on your labor stage, could I handle that? That would be a good place for you to start in examining your desire for medication. Okay. So other options, basically it's epidural, non-epidural. The epidural relaxes the top of the uterus to your feet. 
mom is no longer mobile in labor you won't be able to walk sometimes the epidurals they don't hit um right at the right spot it's the epidural is right above the spinal column and there are some neuroaxial medications that actually go in the column but this is right above and sometimes they don't hit it quite right it's a very tiny space very hard and even the best of the anesthesiologists might just get a little bit and so you might have one side blocked more than the other and baby may delay being able to breastfeed with that full like vigor and alertness because of the onboarding of fluids can make your breast swollen, can make it hard for milk to come in, but don't worry. Even if you go to an epidural, you will successfully breastfeed. Just know you're gonna need a little bit more patience and understanding about the process. And the relaxation of the epidural can lead to a more rapid dilation with rest and fluids, especially if mom has been at the labor for a while and she needs a break. And then remember this, if you're like, I think I'm going to get an epidural. That is great. I support you. Make sure your nurse and your doula and your partner are turning you using a peanut ball. Really great studies on that. Your blood pressure will drop. Likely most women have like a little blood pressure, heart rate, whoopsies when they get it. So remember to breathe and change position to avoid cascade of interventions. Cause if your blood pressure drops and your baby's affected and then they got oxygen and then sometimes very little, but it can result in a C-section emergently. So if you're remembering to breathe, don't think about the needle. Just I'm here with my breath. It will give you a better outcome. Okay. And then non-epidural options, narcotic medication, IV or neuroaxily reward for this, if you have rest, recovery, reduced pain, your risk, your groggy, your fall risk, you could be itchy, you could be nauseous. There's a trade-off for everything. Just know like what works for you. And then there's a newer intervention, the gas, the nitrous oxide gas. And I've had a client do this and it was, it worked out really well for her. It's self-administration by mom only. And so ask your birthing facility or provider if they, they have this, they offer this. So only mom can do it. And then you kind of like have this little high where you're like gone. And then right before the contraction, you come back, you're like, oh yeah. And so when you, you're basically kind of in and out of consciousness between the contractions and it's a new pain control method that works really well. So for all, this is super important. So wherever you're at, if you're multitasking, just tap on this point in your heart, come back to your body, take a deep breath. This is really important. For all pain medication options, remember the six centimeter rule. Your pain will cap at six centimeters in labor. So you have four centimeters. So think your labor is dilating from zero to 10. At 10, you can, if baby's low enough in station, you can begin pushing. So remember six centimeters, four centimeters, you're in active labor. You're like, mom's glowy. She's sitting on the birth ball. She's feeling it, right? And then at six centimeters, it's like, if I gave you a five pound dumbbell at six centimeters, that dumbbell is not going to get any heavier. Now at transition, I might ask you to do more reps, but remember your uterus is a muscle. So it's only going to give you what it can handle. You, you can't make contractions in a, without Pitocin. If you were induced, this is a little bit different. Um, but with your own labor process, your uterus cannot make something that your body cannot physically handle. So the six centimeter rule, no, the contractions will not increase in weight. You won't have to lift any more than that five pounds, right? If I was giving you more weight each time. So at six centimeters is a good time to do a check-in. It's a good time to say, am I handling this? Now, what if the contractions get a little bit closer together? Could I handle that? 
and having this, this nervous system set point to check in with yourself. And it's a great goal to reach if natural labor interests you, but how you decide is accessing right now, even as I'm talking, your mother's intuition of like, does that feel right for me? Would my nervous system actually feel better having a plan, knowing I would be walking into my birth with an epidural? Or if I'm really nervous about this, could a goal be six centimeters? So here's what will happen at six centimeters. You'll have a good gauge. If you're, I do want to preface with this, if your labor is moving very quickly and you get to eight to nine centimeters, they likely won't give you the epidural. They'll be like, you just, because of the way transition and pushing and then you're too late. So, but if you're having a more slow progressing labor and you get to six and it's really intense, you probably have a lot of time. So just something to think about is you might be like, at six and then 30 minutes later, be at eight, every single mom from eight to 10 centimeters says, I cannot do this. Even my beautiful silent breathers, they would open their eyes and be like, I think I need help. And then they would go right back in or they would be like, I don't know, I'm getting really tired. They would have that, that doubt. And then there's some moms who are like, get me the freak out of here, hook me up to whether, whatever medication you can find. And then at 10 centimeters, the nurse comes in, the doctor, the midwife, and they're like, all right, you can push. And then they're like, so pissed off from the pain. They're like, fine, I'll push this baby out. Or they're just breathing gently. They're like, okay, I want to get this sensation off my perineum. So only you will know we're going to do an exercise with, with dropping in here in a moment. So just stay tuned. Possible intervention that all women experience comparison. I have to tell you guys about my dream. Um, this is like a recurring dream I have around birth, especially when I'm at birth, teaching birth. I have a really weird dream that comes up sometimes that I'm breastfeeding my cat. I don't know what that means. I don't think I want to know, but I have this dream around birth that I'm giving birth. And then I look over and I ask Jeff, I'm like, how did I do? What was my time? Like, it was like a CrossFit workout comparison. It shows up in my dreams. I have not even given birth yet. It is the one thing that I see just like rip us apart as women. The birth your BFF had is likely not the right birth for you. I'm glad you enjoyed the gut or, or the one that you will have. So just notice with the birth stories you've had. And even if your mom or your sister had a traumatic birth, that also doesn't have to be you. Or if you had a friend who was like, I didn't feel any pain. I just, I don't know. I sneezed and, and three pushes later, I had my baby. That is great. You're getting all of the information so that on your labor roadmap, you can be like, oh yeah, I remember Jen said there was a hill up here. It's like running a marathon, right? If you had no idea there was a huge hill at mile eight, but you trained for it and someone told you and you knew what to expect, it would be way easier of a race for you to run. So don't compare your birth to anyone else's. Your body is different. We have different nervous systems, different preferences, different intuition, different providers. There's so many variables. The one thing that will stay consistent with you is having empowered, unbiased education. And then this internal compass where a provider can walk up and say, do you want this intervention? Here's my concern. And you can check in in that conversation happening below you between baby and body, and you can let them know what's right for you. And then let your friends inspire you and stay true to what's for you. Okay, the very last intervention before we get into fun, some fun stuff. And this is controversial. It's not meant to be polarized or political. I'm going to give you the information because I personally, off all of these interventions I've talked about, 
I don't personally have my decision of what I would do. I have information and I really believe for me, it will come to that connection with my baby. And then at the time, what I'm feeling is best. Okay. So I think this is the hardest decision for moms, the hepatitis B vaccine at birth. So it's given routinely. It's offered without considerations and many babies are just fine and do just fine. And we actually don't have, because the studies have not been done. We don't have a whole lot of evidence around it. We have information about known neurotoxins such as aluminum. And then there are case studies of babies and moms expressing concern. So the CDC has this information on their website that the Hep B injection contains 250 times the amount of aluminum recommended for a 200 pound man. And so this is something that is going into baby's body at birth. I always say rule of thumb, if you're on the fence about this and your baby is jaundiced or has bilirubin, um, that's a sign that their liver is congested and their, their blood, they might have some, like even a baby, some backed up detox pathways, you might delay. So Hep B, it's very contagious. You do not want your newborn to get it. And the way it's transferred is by sexual contact and sharing of needles, not two things that our babies are typically doing. And then at 15 years of age, that Hep B is no longer useful. It's expired and then they will need another one. So there's, that's some information. And the book that I recommend with the evidence is the vaccine. I think I have it right here. I'm just going to say it's under a stack. The Vaccine Friendly Plan by Dr. Paul Thomas, a medical doctor. Um, He has, he's not, what I love about him is he's not pro um, or against vaccines. He breaks it down by like the literature for each one, his experience. He has a lot of great information for parents that I have seen be the most unbiased, which I appreciate. So when he talks about all of these points, and so all moms, whatever they choose, there is someone they're going to feel judged or criticized by. So this is a safe place for you to receive unbiased information and explore both options intuitively, leaning into either while you feel into your body as a tool. I promise you for any intervention, especially this one, there's no perfect choice. There's only your best choice. And you having that knowing, because at the end of the day, something that in one-on-ones that I talk with parents with them, like, what decision, if you had an adverse outcome, either way you give it, and then your baby has a adverse outcome to the neurotoxin, or you don't give it. And then your baby has the infection. Like what decision would make you feel like I did everything I knew how to do. And I did my best. That is likely your best decision. And it's different, um, for everyone. Will you send out that book? Yes. It's called, (laughs) I'm glad the breastfeeding cat is such a hit. It's called the vaccine friendly plan, Dr. Paul Thomas, and this will be in the replay tomorrow. Yeah. So via email. Okay. So the most needed intervention that your provider is not going to offer you that I want to tell you right now, you need to have connection to is your intuition. And this is the last little bit. Where does it live in your body? For every woman, it's different. Uh, for me, it's like heart and belly when I I'm dropping in when I'm praying, when I'm meditating, when I'm connecting, I like to put my hands, heart and belly. Sometimes it's just a knowingness in your being like a, an emotional feeling of like, I don't know why I know this, but I know it. And it comes up over and over. Like you weren't even thinking about it and you're getting the same sentiment or feeling. Why is your intuition 
special during this time. When you are pregnant or nearing conception, because your body is energetically getting closer or right after birth, your body energetically is a portal from heaven to earth. So your body literally is a vehicle. Think about this. Our babies, this might get into some beliefs. So take what resonates and ditch the rest. Our babies have a soul. That soul cannot be created nor destroyed. A soul is energy. I'm saying energy cannot be created nor destroyed. That soul is already living. We are creating from our cells and cellular replication and DNA transfer a body for the soul to come join us. At the moment of conception, there's literally a miracle that happens where that body is starting to be formed. And then when baby takes their first breath and they're like, oh, wow, that is when their soul enters their body. And so you have this time period where when I'm talking about this conversation happening in between your body and your baby is because just as whomever you pray to and whatever makes sense to you, your baby is energy before they enter the body, right? So your intuition, I mean, you're literally a cosmic slip and slide. You are this portal. It's, there's a funny meme I've seen. It's like, lower your voice when you're talking to me. I have a cosmic slip and slide between my legs. Like you are literally bringing a soul from whatever dimension or makes sense to you into this world. And by proxy, just by osmosis, just by you being that vehicle, your intuition is so, so powerful. I work with a lot of different women in business and they're like, oh, no, 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 my business, like the ideas that I had, whether they implemented them during pregnancy, they're like, I was another level of creative, another level of intuitive, everything is just so open. And then your energy center that lives from belly to like, I mean, your lower energy centers, like belly button and below to like pubic bone, that energy center is so active. It's creativity, it's fertility, it's joy. And so we talked about this in the I am woman prequel course about hormones that we just wrapped up, (laughs) excuse me. But when one of the, the fertility treatments that we prescribe that I prescribe to moms is like working in that energy center, because our world does not set us up for that energy center to be very active and strong. And that energy center governs the organ, the reproductive system that is in it. So your intuition is really special. How can you cultivate it? You can just begin to work with it. A daily practice, whether that's prayer or meditation or devotional reading, whatever it is for you, getting in touch with it and then starting to see it as also living in your body. Because why do you need it? A provider can walk into your birth environment and say, I need you to make a decision on this. And your brain is not going to serve you. Your brain is going to take you into fear and disastrous situations and possible, but like polyamor, your <laughs> possible, what am I trying to say? Like the rose colored glasses, everyone's trauma response is different in their brain. Your intuition living in your body coming from spirit in it cannot lie to you. It will be the first thing that speaks. And then your ego or the devil, whatever makes sense to you is going to back it up right after it. And I have seen women turn their birth scenarios around from like, they drop in, they feel it, they trust it. And even I've been like, I don't know if that's the best decision, but it's what she felt in her body. And at that time, she's such a cosmic portal. That's what she went with. And the birth was literally the best outcome for her. So let's experiment. You have a moment. Oh, thank you. 
Hilda for putting that in the chat. Hilda put the book in the chat. Um, that is great. <laughs> All right. So we're just going to take, this is going to take two minutes, three minutes to just drop in and remember your first tool. So everyone close your eyes. If you're driving, keep them open. Um, if you are walking, driving, multitasking, I want you to just feel your lower back ribs as you breathe in. If you have your eyes closed, that same sensation, you can feel your perineum sitting on a surface or your feet flat on the floor. And you're just breathing. When I say the word, your inner knowing, in a very subtle way, just tune into your body. My inner knowing and say it with me, where is my inner knowing? And you'll feel just a little sensation in the body. Might be a warmth, a tingling, a tapping. Might be just a hovering above your body. Maybe you feel your baby engaged with you if you're pregnant right now. Maybe it's in your belly. Just tune in here. And there's a reason you were brought to this conversation today. Whether it's the replay or you're here live, there's something, deep breath. Let it go. There's something that your inner knowing would like to present to you. Maybe it's getting connected for the first time. For the first time in a long time. Maybe your inner knowing is asking you to get in nature, to recalibrate your nervous system, reset your body for your pregnancy. Maybe this inner knowing is reminding you of an epiphany you had tonight or a piece of information that can be making you angry or challenged or frustrated. Listen to that. Take a deep breath in and roll your shoulders up towards your ears. Drop your shoulder blades down your back. Bring your left hand to your heart, your right hand to your belly. I trust my inner knowing. Go ahead and say it with me. I trust my body. And I trust my baby. And open your eyes when you're ready. One way I like to look at this is your inner knowing can be the Holy Spirit, the voice of God, the spirit, your angels, whatever makes sense to you. Your body is the channel, the vessel and your body. I mean, think about it like this. What beats your heart? What tells your cells to replicate? Your body has a divine intelligence. So you have, you have the voice of God, you have your divine intelligence of your body. And then now you have a, a baby, a, a human and soul form helping you, you have this incredible team that if there's a decision, a plan and something that you, that's relying on you, your provider asks, what do you want? How do you want to do this? You're all set. And there's no reason you have to fear anything coming your way. So I want to invite you into the I am woman pregnancy program. So if this information is resonating for you. It was so hard to put this conversation together because I'm like, I have so much I want to share, but what would be the most powerful? 
Hey, I hope you don't feel like you missed out because you weren't here live on the webinar at the time that we did this education, but I want to let you know that you're not going to miss out. Here are a couple of options that you can still take advantage of this holistic pregnancy program. You can catch us live if you're in time or the same time as we're doing a cohort, or you can take the self-paced study course where there's so much more information included, expanding upon this webinar and meet for one-on-one -on -one sessions throughout your pregnancy or pregnancy preparation with me. So thank you so much for joining us this week. If you can subscribe, leave a review for the show and help this message reach millions of women around the world. I'd be so grateful. We'll see you next week.